0: Uh, consideration for this uh, week. (laughs) And this is from Warren Wisby on his book, Be Mature. And he's talking about feelings. Christian living is a matter of the will, not feelings. I've often heard believers say, I don't feel like reading the Bible or I don't feel like attending prayer meeting. Children operate on the basis of feeling. But adults operate on the basis of will. They act because it is right, no matter how they feel. This explains why immature Christians easily fall into temptation. They let their feelings make the decisions. And I would actually say their lust (laughs) in that situation, but it is so true. We did want to give you a quick review because we've been away from the message for so long. Hopefully we can refresh your minds as to where we've been on the series of Love and the Dispensation of Grace. Courtney was uh, supposed to speak today. I thought it would be a good thing since I'm going to be gone in a couple of weeks to uh, get a message in uh, here. Dan is going to be bringing the message. It's a Fifth Sunday message. He's Mr. Fifth Sunday. (laughs) So he's up on deck next week. So I thought it good to be able to have the opportunity to do a review of where we've been in love and then um, get start again in earnest when we come back. And so there are four Greek words that we've looked at uh, in talking about love, and, it's, uh, and we've, uh, we'll look at those. But <clears throat> agape love is probably the most important thing that you see in Scripture. And we know that in church history that uh, it is said that the, the um, Apostle John kept talking about love. And someone asked him, why do you keep talking about love? And he says, because you're not doing it. Really, if you actually, if agape love was in place in the church, do you know it's like oil on a, uh, a chain, on a bicycle? It keeps it moving like nothing else. And so that's really, you look at all of the problems that you find in a lot of your churches today, it's the absence of agape love. And I think that what is happening to a lot of your churches today, uh, because they're inviting unsaved in, the opportunity for there to be agape love lessons and lessons. And so agape love is different from other kinds of love. So we're going to see that the unsafe man has the ability to have phileo love. But that phileo love can turn into ecthros if it's not returned properly. And so agape love counters all. It is the thing that the church needs more than anything else. And so if you have believers who are loving one another, it makes all the difference in the world. Let me show you an example of it. Pastor Dave did this, and he's got me hooked on this. I've seen it for myself. If you go back to 1 Thessalonians, you just see in this this chapter of 1 Thessalonians that these saints had a relationship with each other that was uh, unlike any other relationship you see in some of these other churches. And notice, uh, as a result of them being spiritual, they were directing parts of the fruit of the Spirit and everything flowed within the church. You know, you don't have to get up and preach against this or preach against that. We try not to do that here. Don't do this. Don't gossip. Don't do these things. It's better to preach on what a believer should be. You see, you preach on what believers should be, and the other things dissipate. In 1 Thessalonians, um, chapter 5, not to say that we don't exhort you, and um, at times you have to admonish in certain situations. Those things mostly happen one-on-one, but um, from the pulpit, we really try to focus our message on um, these kind of things. Now notice notice what Paul says about the Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians. Verse 2, he says, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our Uh, Really, it's upon the occasion of our worship. So here's Paul worshiping. And as he's worshiping, in worship, I think worship is a bigger form of communication with God. So as I'm worshiping to God, I think about maybe, oh, Joe. Joe might come to mind. Joe, God help him. Something's wrong with Joe. Right? And I may take off on talking about that. Or maybe there be an opportunity in worship and giving thanks. Right. And so here you have that happening here with Paul on the occasion of our worship, remembering without ceasing your work from faith. And your labor. Notice where it comes from, from love. Tireless working on behalf of saints. And what is it? The source of that labor from love. You find in a lot of churches where a lot of the churches, they try to conjole people to do things. We need people to do this. We've got to get it done. We've got to get the ministry done. Right? And do you know when people love each other, they see opportunities opportunities to minister, and they really don't have to be conjoled to do it. Grace makes all service to God voluntary. Voluntary. Yeah. And so this tarla is working on behalf of the saints. So when you start seeing these things, we can recognize these as coming from a category of what? Anybody recognize these two things that we've just mentioned? What category do they come from? Fruit the, the fruit of the spirit. Which tells us when you see those manifested, that these people are spiritual. That the Holy Spirit is involved. You cannot see this in someone's life except that the Holy Spirit is producing it. It's producing it. And so, and uh, your patience from hope, knowing, brethren, your beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know, what manner of men we were among you, you for your sake, and you became followers um, of us and of the Lord, having received the word. Notice in much affliction. You know, a lot of the things is, um, that are happening in the world is—I I really think that they are actually bearing out where people are. And so pressures really reveal a lot about where you are. They show the legitimacy or the illegitimacy of where you are. It's just revealing what's there. And so somebody says if you squeeze an orange, (coughs) it's only revealing what's inside of it. What's inside of it is going to come out. And so that's what pressures do. And it word for if afflictions is actually the word Phillips is idea of pressures and much affliction. And notice another fruit of the spirit. And you can see that these believers are what? Spiritual. Why? You see another fruit of the spirit. Joy. Joy being an appreciation for the circumstances that God has brought, knowing that God has allowed me to be in these situations. It's not that I'm happy, ha, 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 this is great. No, but you appreciate the circumstances. You understand that God's in control of them. These believers, and Don was talking a little bit about it. If you go back in the, uh, Acts chapter 17, these believers were led to the Lord by Paul, and the Jews started a ruckus in Thessalonica, and as a result of that, persecution broke out immediately. And so these believers were faced with persecution immediately. And yet they still displayed joy. It's interesting watching the things going on around the world. I'm not watching the unsaved. I'm watching the believers. It's the believers. The unsaved are going to be what they are. But it's the believers. And notice in these tough situations, these believers had joy. They had love. They had faith. Didn't change who they were. At all, and notice, notice the result of this. So then, you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Or really, you came to be examples, or really types. So, you say, hey, man, this is how. This is an example of how it ought to look. That's why somebody has said, and many people have said, if you want to show somebody who's a new believer, or if you want to give them a book to read, 1 Thessalonians is the best book to give them to read because they can actually see what Christians ought to look like. What Christians ought to look like. Because these believers here are displaying. They were types. He says, you came to be types to all that believe in Macedonia care. And notice... <coughs> they didn't put on their, their uh, horses crosses. They didn't put on their horses symbols of the cross or, you know, little emblems of Christianity. Their lives were the emblem. I, and sometimes I really believe from what I know about Scripture, I think the unsafe man really gains more by what they see than what they hear. we got a lot of believers and they like to talk. Yep, yap, 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 yep. But they don't like to live. And so what do we see here? It says, the word from, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord in Macedonia and Achaia, but all not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but every place your faith to God would is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if we didn't have lippy Christians at Grace Bible Church, but we just had believers who lived it, and everybody said, Look at that church over there. Look at the people that come out of there. Look at the lives that they're living, even in the midst of hard, oppressed times. Wouldn't that be great that we were known not for what we said? as m- more than how we lived. And so you see this idea of love, and love is a big centerpiece of this, and we have seen, and we, as we review this, we see how agape love is crucial to the body of Christ. It's crucial. And the only way that you and I can actually experience this love is that we are able to be spirit-filled. That old sin nature of ours is a mortal enemy against this idea of agape love and conquering it and overcoming the sin nature and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us that we might be able to experience this agape love is a big thing, and so we'll see that. So let's let's pray here, and then we'll get into our review, and we'll see where we've been. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity of being able to look at these things and grateful to that as believers that we have the opportunity to be able to understand your word and to be able to see it in a clear manner. We might be accurate in how we uh, carry ourselves, and we're thankful for that. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So back in John chapter 13 is where we started. And notice in 13 and verse 34, Paul, uh, John writes, and he says, A new kind of commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And the word for love there is the word agape. Now we looked at uh, four different words as we started. Uh, that are used in not only in and outside the church for what love is, and we looked at the word eros, and eros was seen as um, in classical Greek as the god of love. It is uh, used to urge, um, to urge um, of the urge to self-preservation and sexual pleasure. And I think this is what's happening in most of the society, when most of the people are saying on TV, "I love you." Most of what they're saying is this. it's it's interesting the kind of relationships that are going on today people meet someone and immediately there is no long protracted relationship before they're in, in involved in an intimate relationship it's almost simultaneous most of the time it's the same day right and so they get involved in this relationship and it's an emotional relationship and so uh You don't see this used in scripture. It's used uh, mostly in in classical Greek, uh, and it's not used in scripture, but it's one that is used in the marketplace. And I think it's one that in in relationships, as far as intimate relationships, probably uh, the unsaved are referring to more than any other. They They don't know what they're saying. And so you listen to a lot of the words for love that are used in some of your songs today, and a lot of it is just emotion. Uh, that uh, <coughs> song in the bgs it's just emotion that's taking me over. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it, it probably goes to this. Then you have Storgate, <coughs> which is a love that is used for one's own family members. And so we've seen that. And so there's a natural use for love and a natural uh, love that one has for own, their own family members. This is unnatural to, ha- to not have this. And so you see it in Second, Corinthians, Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul talks about it in the last days of the church, that even in the church you will see that people will not have this natural affection for one members of their own family. Then you have phileo, or the friendship love is expressed in the word phileo. And you see that throughout the course of scripture. In uh, John chapter 15 and 19 we saw that. And then you get, get to agape. Agape love is, <clears throat> is the word we will focus on. And so it's seen in scripture as the highest form of love. It is the highest form of love. And so agape is the highest form of love because it calls for sacrifice on uh, the one loving for the benefit of the one loved. Absent of participation upon the part of the one being loved. And this is a big thing because in the world today, what do they say in marital relationships, for example? They say that if you're going to get married, you have to have a 50-50 relationship. Really, that's a lie. That's really a lie. It's not true. A marriage relationship, if you are, particularly as you're believers, it's 100% zero. You're committed to loving your spouse no matter what they do. And so somebody says... I like Scott's analogy of it. He talks about all these different misconceptions people have as they're going down the aisle, and it's true. They're not marrying the person that they actually see before them. They're marrying some expectation of what they would hope that this person comes to be. And they ignore it, and and we found that once once you send out the invitations, this show's going down. You can find out the guy's an axe murderer. And this this thing is going down. And that's a that's a real problem. And so when you come to believers, the idea of agape love is self-sacrifice. And so let's look at some of the places that you see that. Look at first John chapter three and verse 16. Some of the places that we've been as we've talked about it. And first John chapter three and verse uh, 16. And so you see it displayed by the Lord Jesus and his love for the saints. Oh, excuse me, for the for the world, really. First John chapter three and verse sixteen. If I can find it. Now he starts off in verse eleven, and he he tells you um, a negative example of this, uh, and he says, "For this is a message you've heard from, and I would say, a beginning that we should love one another." Verse twelve, not as Cain who was out from the evil one, and he slew his brother. There's a couple of things there that is said that's really interesting. And so what did Cain do? Cain was more, um, what he was doing was more uh, um, insidious than what appeared as you read it in Genesis. That word Ponderos, I believe that Cain was trying to establish a whole different way of how to approach God opposite of what God says. And I think he was trying to get other people to participate in it. And that word "paneraz" kind of draws that attention to that. And he slew his brother, and I would say as a sacrifice. And wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Marvel not, my my brethren. I really, uh, I think there it's uh, stop marveling, my brethren, that the world hates you. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And notice, who is the love for? And we'll see it again, the brethren. And this brings us to a point that we're going to see, and we have seen in John chapter 13, love one another. And, I mean, we saw it on our trip, the idea of love everybody. This is the hardest thing. I don't think that you'll ever get rid of this in Christendom. It's a lie that's just so strong and it seems like heresy to some people to even see what scripture says is true. I had a friend of mine who was telling me that he was preaching out of 1 John chapter 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And people said, well, what do you mean don't love the world? Well, He said, uh, well, what did it say here? Stop loving the world. You have in the world people and he makes a difference between the people. Neither the things that are in the world, you see. And so people don't want to hear that. And so we've looked at that and we've seen that uh, one of the real problems here is that they think that by, by not loving the world, it means that you're supposed to hate them and that's nothing could be further from the truth. <coughs> and so. We, verse, he says, we know we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brethren re- abides or remains in the death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. There's just a, another thing here, and we'll see it as we go down the line. So here he's talking about loving of the brethren. In order to make the unsafe man your brother, you would have to say that you believe in universalism. You understand that, right? You know what universalism is? The fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of men. That we're all brothers, even the unsaved man. I don't think that people really realize what they're believing when they say that. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives. Where it really is ought, it's where we're under a moral obligation. It's what's right to do. On the one hand, Christ laid down his life for us. That word for life there is actually an particular word of suke, and it's actually used at the, uh, here is the things that are important. What's important to you? Right? And we are under a moral obligation to lay down our lives for the brethren. And then he gives an example, verse 17. And this is not the only example. John, uh, Don did an excellent job some weeks ago talking about other things that you can see and how you can love the brethren. This is just one of the examples that you can see here in verse 17. But whosoever has this world's goods and sees his brother have needs and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And so you, don't, you, know, we, you know what we do sometimes when we love a brother? Let me know if I can help you. Right. Well, they don't really have to let me know if I see it. I see the issue. I don't have to wait for a call from someone. I really can understand how I can help them as I'm led by the spirit to do that. And then he goes on to say, verse 18, my little children, let us not love and neither in word nor in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What's better for you to say, I love you, or you to show that you love someone? And so notice, agape love is, is a big centerpiece, and we've looked at this as a centerpiece of this dispensation of grace. And so believers are giving a new commandment to love one another. And we looked at this idea of commandment, and we went all the way through looking at commandments and what a commandment is. And there's two different words that we talked about. Uh, And we'll see it down the line of uh, neos and kainos, New in time. There's two type of words, main words are used in the New Testament for new. New in time and new in kind. I go out and I get a 2021 Ferrari. I just use that for Dan's sake. I buy Corvette. (laughs) Okay, Corvette. That's neos. That's new in kind. I go out and get a 2017 Ferrari. That's new in kind. It's new to me, but it's not a new car. You see? And so this is the word that he uses there with kynos, a new kind of commandment I give to you. It's, a, it's different than the kind of commandments that came before. Someone asked me on the trip here, well, isn't the, Lord's, uh, the law of Christ the um, Ten commandments and so <laughs> it was it was wide open and, and uh, we had some fun with that and so it's a new kind of commandment that he gives, and what is that commandment that you love one another now this is totally different from what came under law now and we looked at this in matthew twenty two if you look over matthew twenty two thirty seven I'm going to do a chart, Lord willing, on the distinctions between the law on the uh, love under law and the love in this dispensation of grace. And they're two totally different things. And it's, it's very clear to see. <clears throat> and so notice in verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment Now notice, in the law, you know, words don't matter to people anymore. They just don't matter. I mean, really, why would you even have a problem? So if you just reason through your mind in Scripture, we're not under law, we're under grace, right? I can immediately know that he's not talking to me here, right? He sets the context here. What is the greatest commandment in the law? very easy to see. You don't have to know Greek or Hebrew. You can get it right from English. (laughs) And notice, he goes on to say um, uh, here in um, verse 37, Jesus said unto him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, boy. Here we go. Right. Everybody loves their neighbor next to him. Right. And so here's this is how it's gone. Right. And so now you, this empties into the whole picture of loving everybody, loving the whole world. <coughs> and we've, we try to establish when we we're here, if you remember, <coughs> that the Greek word for neighbor was, according to the Jews, any member of the Hebrew nation and commonwealth. That's what the word means. Words matter. He wasn't talking about neighbor um, as you would see it in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, even. Uh, Or as Eddie Murphy said back in the day, Mr. Robinson's neighborhood, either. I don't know if you saw the parody of that. Um, And so the Hebrew word for neighbor, uh, and I gave you the Greek word and the Hebrew word, and they are, are talking about other Jews. And in the Old Testament, that would include the stranger, uh, those from outside the nation of Israel who sojourned along with the nation, uh, or anyone who resided in the nation or in a town of which he was not a full native uh, land-owning uh, citizen, and this was out of Um uh, There were rules among the nation to amalgamate the strangers into the nation, and the reason for uh, loving the strangers is given in Deuteronomy. <clears throat> the source of love was, uh, for Israel was their own hearts, Love your neighbor as you would yourself. And so self was the the actually function of of where the love came from. Now notice the the difference today, and there's many differences, and we looked at some of them, is that you have uh, the new commandment is that you love one another. And notice, if you go back to John 13 as an example here, John chapter 13, just some of the distinctions as you see it as we've talked about it. Verse 34, a new kind of commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And notice, as I have loved you. So, I mean, you can just really see this in English. On one hand, you say you love your neighbor. And in this, we've established that's another Jew or a stranger that's been proselytized into the nation. And the standard was, as you loved yourself. A new kind of commandment I give to you, you love one another. And who is the standard? As I, Christ, have loved you. And I do like to point out when we come through here as well, that there's four different entities that we know for a fact are involved here. So you have Christ, who is the standard. You have at least two believers who are loving. There's love going on between those two believers now notice, here's the fourth person comes in right here in verse, six, uh, verse uh, 35. As the wind has blown my pages, I have to turn back. By this thing shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Well, I raise a question here. Who is the all men? Who's watching this? Someone, on, someone There's another g- group that is mentioned here. Who are watching the love that believers have for one another? And so, the ideal that loving love is for everybody is certainly not true. Men are capable and incapable. We've seen that men are incapable of loving apart from God's provision, um, as you see it throughout uh, uh, Scripture. Uh, the standards for love are beyond human capacity. Uh, notice. Love requires one to lay down their own life for their friends, a trait not common to man. Love requires restriction of evil in order uh, to care for the well-being of another. Um, And then we see that unsafe men and believers before this dispensation did not have the capacity to love. Notice just two things I want to point out here. Look at John chapter 5 and verse 2. The Lord assured the unbelieving Jews that they were dearth of God's kind of love. They didn't have the... And you can say, well, this was before the dispensation of grace, and and I'll give you that. But I think that even um, after this dispensation of grace, this is still true of unsaved men. In John chapter 5 and verse 42. (laughs) Now notice in John chapter 5, and so he's uh, dealing with the Jews here. He tells them that he is God, and they have a problem with it. I think that's earlier up in verse um, uh, 17. And notice in verse seventeen, but the Jews answered them, "My father works hitherto, and I work, therefore the Jews sought the, the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath but he said that God was his father making him equal with God and so they understood what he was saying here. notice in verse forty two but I know that you have not the love of God in you or in yourself you are he says i haven't I know experientially you have." it's really in that perfect tense of I have an a understanding I've had it from the past and continue to have it even to this point that you do not have the love of God in you or in your, in among yourselves and so uh, notice you see it again in John chapter 15 and verse 19 <clears throat> if you are waiting on the unsaved man to direct agape love toward you good luck with that And I've seen it with people who are married to unsaved people and they're the most frustrated individuals I've ever seen. They're some of the most frustrated people I've ever seen. They're directing agape love toward this unsaved individual and this individual does not have the ability to direct it back toward them. And they're very frustrated. Notice in John chapter 15 and verse 19 uh, in verse 19 Notice, it's interesting what the the Lord gives the uh, Jews that he's talking to here and understanding, uh, excuse me, the believers here, he says in verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Then notice he uses, um, here is a second class condition. And so here it's assuming for the sake of argument. And so I would put it this way. If you were of the world and you're not, the world would love his own, uh, and, but they don't. And notice the word that he uses for love here is not agape. It's the idea of being fond of. It's phileo. The world is fond of its own. They don't have the ability to agape their own. <coughs> really, it's a rat race. I don't think that they're concerned about it having a self-sacrificing attitude, nor do they have the the ability to, to each other. And so, if you were out from the world, and you're not, the world would be fond of its own, and and it's not. But because you are not out from the world, but I have chosen you out from the world, therefore, the world hates you. And the word for hates there, I believe that missio is more of a silent hatred. You know, you've been around people, um, and you can just tell they really don't care for you, right? They may never say a word to you at all, but you can just tell that they just don't care for you. So you have missio, which more of a, it's more of a silent hatred, and then you have ekthros, where it's just all it's on the outside. There's enmity against you, and you know it. And so this missio is more of a silent hatred, and I think that sometimes it leads to the ecthros. And so the unsaved men are incapable, and we've seen it, they're incapable of do, uh, directing agape love. They don't have the ability to love it. So if you say that the Lord says a new commandment I give to you that we love one another, you love one another as I have loved you, you're going to direct agape love to the unsaved men? How are, they going to, how are they going to reciprocate? They don't have the ability to reciprocate. There have been people that we've talked to in counseling who want to get married. And you say to them, there's been a couple of occasions where it's gotten uncomfortable because the person is trying to marry an unsaved person. And you try to warn them, don't do it. But you know, emotion gets involved. What is that song back in the day? I think it was "Earth Wind and Fire." Your ability to reason starts to fade, <laughs> and people give in to their emotions. And they, you know, it's everybody. You realize everybody starts off great when they get married. How does it ever end in failure? Do you know everyone on their wedding day is having a great time? I think. I've not saw people come down the the aisle angry. (laughs) Have you? How does it all end in a failure at any point? Because wrong decisions are made. They're just not obvious until you get down the line. And when you have a believer who's trying to marry an unbeliever and think that they're going to change that person, you have all kinds of trouble that's going to happen down the line. And so men are incapable of loving apart from God's provisions. Uh, Scripture lists the, uh, I did want to show, Uh, yeah, on that same point there, on three, indeed. The object of the believer's love is one another. And we've looked at this. I don't know that we've went into it as much as we could have. But here, one another is a reflexive pronoun. And we won't go into all of the illustrations to show you. That this is a reciprocation of believers among each other, but we'll look at some of them. And we've looked at some before. Now, look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. So, remember when we talked about John in, in church history and that John talked about love more? <clears throat> John, in his gospel and his epistles, talks about and uses the word agape love more than any other writer in the Bible. He does. So here we are again with John, chapter 4. Let's pick it up. uh, Let's pick it up in verse 1, actually, and read down through 7. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be out from God. Now, this word of, a lot of those ofs in this, and I would translate them um, out from and why because of the the way that the language works it looks at the source of it and i would rather translate it out from because of really doesn't really get it so you see that they are out from god see whether they are out from god as to source whether god is the source of what they're saying because many false prophets are going out into the world hereby we know the spirit that is, out from God, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is out from God. In other words, they believe that, that God has come in flesh, and the result that he's still in flesh and that he's going to come back in flesh. You have your um, Mormons, your Jehovah Witnesses, they deny this. If you quiz them of what they think about Christ, you see that they don't believe that he's God. They think he's just a man that was a good man. Verse 3. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not out from God as the source, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, I really believe, so if you want to call the man of lawlessness Antichrist, do it. People do it, but it's just perplexing to me why they do it, because it, he's never really called Antichrist. I mean, you just never really see him called that in Scripture. And why do I say that? Because it distracts from the people who really are Antichrist, which are your Jehovah Witnesses, your Mormons. These people are Antichrist. And so notice he says, wherefore you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. You are out from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They, now he's going to say something amazing here. And I don't think we always appreciate the fact that we are not like the people in the world. People Believers want to be accepted by everybody in the world. Well, they don't like me. I just don't like it. I go to work and they just talk bad about me. We want to be accepted by everybody. Get over it. Really, people, you can be sure, there may be people in the world who are fond of you, but that could be short-lived. Certainly, at FedEx, we found, and Scott have seen, that there are people at the. In the they're not everybody who hates the, the believers. There were people at work who didn't. We could talk to, right? I don't know if it's still the case. Maybe they were talking, stabbing us in the back behind the back. <laughs> they, they at least showed some fondness in, in person. But on the, on the whole, the world is not going to like you, and why? Notice he says they are out from the world. Therefore, they speak. Out from the world, that word speak is the things that they are verbalizing are out from the world. The world has its wisdom. There is a wisdom of the age that the world is impacted by. And they see and operate on the basis of these things. So they verbalize out from the world as the source. And notice, I believe there's there's a silent whistle that the unsaved people hear. And they follow it like a pied piper. And the world hears them. The world hears of them. We are out from God as the source. And uh, he that knoweth God, the one really having experiential knowledge of God, hears us. Uh, he that is not of God here is not us. Hereby know we are the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now he goes again. Beloved, let us love one another. That uh, reciprocal pronoun there. One another of the same kind. And we took you back when we came through here and showed you that's used in a lot of different places and you have to look at the context to see who is it, who is it talking about because it's used of one another in a Uh, in a negative sense. Well, let's show you in Titus chapter 3. Hold your finger there and turn to Titus chapter 3. It's used of the unsaved people, and it's a reciprocal pronoun that's used of one another and how they relate to each other. Titus Titus chapter 3. Notice in verse 2 of Titus chapter 3, let me start with one. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers and to obey magistrates and to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. See, here's a good way to to relate to unsaved people. You don't have to go out there and be snide and mean to them. You can be gentle. You can be long-suffering. You don't have to fight. It's not necessary for you to do that. Right? For notice, Paul goes on to say, verse 3, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and notice, hating one another. And so this is how they treat each other. They're hating each other. Right? You see that? So you can have people reciprocating in different situations. The unsaved people reciprocate toward each other. And believers can reciprocate toward each other as well. Love one another. Those of the same kind. And we're certainly a different kind than those who are um, among the class of the unsaved. And so notice he says, why in 1 John 4, love one another. For love is out from God, and everyone that loveth is born out from God and has been generated out from God, and he experientially knows God. I don't think it's, it's possible that if you're unsaved to direct agape love. You know why it's not happening in the church? Because the church is full of terrorists, And the unsaved man does not have the capability of generating agape love. He just doesn't have the ability to do it. And so that's what the real problem is. Now notice the reflexive pronoun is used in scripture to translate the phrase one another on several occasions in the King James. We see it. Notice in First Peter 410, it's used of using your spiritual gift. Now you wouldn't say that this was for the unsaved man, would you? Well, maybe you would, but you would be wrong. <laughs> notice in First Peter chapter four and verse ten. As every man has received the gift, even so minister uh, I would say it One to another as good stewards of the manifold grace uh, of God. Now, actually, you don't have the reciprocal pronoun there. That's uh, actually the reflexive pronoun, um, uh, Haltos, um, towards one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so you see it being used there, Haltos uses an idea of a reflexive pronoun. Well, I got it right during your outline. <laughs> the reciprocal pronoun alalon is used to indicate ones who have a common purpose, a goal, focus, or background, and uh, and so we saw it in First John four. Um, biblical context reveals that the believers' love is to be toward w- other believers, and so let's look at uh, some of these verses here in First Thessalonians four nine. Now, you're going to see a relationship here, actually, between fondness and agape, and hopefully we'll try to make that connection here as to how that, that works with believers. Verse 9, but as touching brotherly love, this is ph- phileo, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are God-taught, really is how you can say that, to love <clears throat> one another. To love one another. Notice the context here. How could this be talking about unsaved people? In the context, he's talking about one another, other believers, other believers. Why is this important? And you say, well, why do you keep harping on that? You're just making a mountain out of a molehill. Because when you're taking your love and you're directing it toward the world, the saints are not getting the benefit of what comes when the believers love each other. The whole purpose of what we're supposed to be doing as a witness in the world is for the world to see how the believers love each other. And I think Satan and this idea of loving the unsaved has, is really trying to undermine that. And do you know that the church today is more focused on the unsaved man than they are each other? You see believers, they will beat down the door to go talk to the unsaved man and will run right past the other saint to do it. <clears throat> will trample over the other saint to do it. That's where we are in the church today do you know a better witness is when you love each other it raises up opportunities for you to give a reason for the hope that is in you when you build up the saints and the saints are built up and now as they go out into the world and you're using your spiritual gift as you love the saints to build up each other as they go out into the world and people see how you conduct yourself that it raises opportunities for evangelism Galatians 5.15, we looked at this and we saw in Galatians 5.15, the importance of the Holy Spirit being involved in this love. Uh, In Galatians 5, he says uh, here among the Galatians, they were having some trouble with each other. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another and then he goes into verse 16 and I say walk by the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh but this ideal of the believers um, biting and devouring one another and, uh, and the need for there to be agape love in that situation and then uh, Ephesians 4 2 it's used and we'll end at that one Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2 Verse one, he says, "I therefore, the person of our Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation, or really, it's the calling, where when, wherewith you were called. Notice how you walk, and you have this preposition coming off of the, how you walk. So your walk should be with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another, and I would say by means." Of love and so love is as we've seen is the instrument that causes you and I to be able to uh, come together and to be able to, um, to to be able to mend together in a way even though there's all differences love allows us to be able to be mended together as one here you see an example of it with this idea of forbearance It's the idea of putting up with the idiosyncrasies of people so somebody may do something that you don't like. They do it different than the way that you would do it. But love allows you to put up with the differences. It doesn't mean that it's evil. I know that you know, sometimes we do things and we like to do it and we don't think that anybody else can do it any better than we do it. Right. Or they may do things differently. They may see things differently that has nothing to do with whether it's sin or unrighteous or any of those things. They just do it differently. And love allows you to forbear in that situation. Notice the walk here that Paul describes in chapter 4. Look at how we recognize Christians today. We recognize Christians not by behavior. We're taught to recognize Christians by talk. talk <clears throat> should be our walk it should be our walk and so you have a lot of a lot that runs through the door as a result of that and then the last thing you see is scripture well scripture lists the importance of love among the brethren and we've seen that uh, love is a bonding agent what well, is the last thing here So this is where we ended. We were talking about the importance of love before we left. And so we went over the fact that love was a bonding agent. Love unites other parts of the fruit to maturity. Love utilizes other behaviors that maintain unity among the saints. And notice the things that we went over here specifically in the last few weeks before we ended. We we talked about how love uh, fosters forbearance, as we've just seen. That love fosters comfort among the saints, encouragement among the saints, Love fosters a knitted togetherness among the saints. Love fosters a, a an encouragement. Uh, Word parakletos there. It's an encouragement among the saints. Love fosters edifying. Uh, love fosters believers laying down their life for each other. Love fosters genuineness. Uh, Ephesians four fifteen. Speaking the truth already is truthing it by means of love. So. If you love someone, you will be honest with them about the way things are. You're not going to see me acting in a way that's unbecoming of what I should be acting as a believer and just ignore it. And so you can see in, in Corinth, they had a false view of what love was when the guy was with his father's wife. And they would say, oh, we're loving him. We're just going to, we're loving them. We're just so loving. Isn't that what the world is doing today? I I just pray sometimes that people don't ask me my opinions of things. Michael, I had to buy out of going on to the college campus. I just thought after you told me some things, I couldn't take it. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to handle that. (laughs) Thanks for the heads up, though. (laughs) I couldn't handle just telling people exactly what I think about the matter. Right. And that's not going to be good. <laughs> love fills up what's lacking. We saw that love fills up what's lacking of the law. And the whole purpose of the Mosaic law was to to get the, the uh, Old Testament saints to the point to where they could actually have this kind of love, which they couldn't. And then love produces. The last thing we saw was love produces servitude that were doulas. And let's end with that in Galatians five thirteen among the, the saints. For brethren, you have been called into liberty. Only use not liberty as an occasion for the sin nature or the flesh, but by means of love. And here you have the word uh, doulas. You'll be serving one another of the same kind. You know, it's a real interesting thing in the church is that we're all servants. All of us are servants. I would hope no one sees any of the people that come up here and preach from the pulpit. And I think Don and Dan would agree and Scott and Courtney would agree which just servants. We all are servants. And if you are directing agape love, one of the natural reactions from agape love is the inclination to serve other saints. It's interesting when you see people who think that they are better than other saints. There is not that that happens in the body of Christ. There's no one in the body that is any better than anyone else. Not one single solitary person. You know, we have a frame of mind that we use, as uh, you see in Romans, that when we preach from the pulpit, that it's right for us to have the frame of mind that we do. It says over there in Romans 12, right? To have the right frame of mind in doing what we do. It's a right of us to frame our minds in that way. But to voluntarily and this word, it has the idea of a voluntary service. It comes from agape love being produced by the Holy Spirit in your life. No one has to ask you to serve. No one has to put a guilt trip on you and say, you know, if this don't happen, if you don't do this, this is not going to happen. You know what I've come to appreciate? If it don't happen, obviously it wasn't God's will for it to happen. If no one shows up for it, what meant to be? And so love allows the believer to have a voluntary service Toward each other, and as the believer is spiritual and he produces that love, there is a voluntary service that is produced, not by compulsion, you see, but because you're spurred on for your love one for another. I'm about ready to see as you look at what Scripture says and you see what's happening, that's where religion comes from. Religion is me constraining you to do something I want you to do. I really would like to see believers operating because they're led by the Spirit to do it. You get to the of seat judgment, you do what we want you to do here, probably half of those things will go up in the blaze of glory, right? When you're led by the Spirit, it makes a much better difference when you are led by the Spirit to do it. And so we just tried to go over some of the things that we talked about concerning the god love. I hope it was helpful. When we come back, one of the things that we're going to talk about is love covers a multitude of sins. One of the other importances that you see with love is that it covers. And we'll see that, Lord willing, if the rapture doesn't occur, and we are able to speak, and I think it's going to be another three weeks, unfortunately. Dan's up next week, next week after that. Lord willing, we'll be at the conference, and then when we come back, we'll be able to deal with it. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity of being able to look at these things and grateful as believers that we have the opportunity to love one another. What a great testimony and a witness to the world that we have this ability to, as we're spiritual, be able to love each other and what the products of that look like, that we're able to truth it to each other by means of love, that we're able to serve one another by means of love, that we're able to forbear with each other by means of love. And so we're thankful, Father, for all the potential that resides there as a result of uh, spiritual believers being led by the Spirit to do those things that are well-pleasing to you. And we're thankful for the potential that we have in this local church and in the body to be able to allow that to happen as we allow the Holy Spirit to reign in our lives. And we're thankful for that. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.